A.W. Tozer once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God impacts the way we interact with others. If my concept of God is harsh and unforgiving, that will probably spill over into my relationships. More importantly, what we think about God will impact our eternity. The problem for many of us is that we approach this kind of thinking from the wrong direction. We start with our own experience and work our way up to God. We project our perspective onto Him. That is precisely what the second commandment is meant to keep us from doing. You can read the second commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Here's what it says. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. When you really stop and think critically about the second commandment, a couple of questions might come to mind. First, you might wonder, isn't this basically saying the same thing as the first commandment? In the first commandment, God told us not to have any other gods besides Him, and now He's telling us not to make carved images that we would bow down to and serve. Hence, don't treat something created as if it were a god. The second question that might cross your mind is, how relevant is this command to us today? After all, we don't live in a society that is prone to idolatry, do we? I doubt any of us have ever experienced the temptation to go into our backyard, cut down a tree, carve a portion of that tree into an idol, and bow down and worship it. But both of those questions are misguided, and they both arise from the same kind of faulty way of thinking about the second commandment. You see, ever since God gave the Ten Commandments, there's been this temptation to interpret and apply them in the narrowest possible way. It's easier to find ourselves innocent when we treat the commandments in a narrow and microscopic way. We hear the Sixth Commandment, for example, and think to ourselves, well, I've never murdered anyone. The problem is, that's not the way the rest of the Bible interprets and applies the Ten Commandments in that narrowly literal way. Throughout both the Old and New Testament, these commands are expanded and applied to a whole host of situations. The easiest example to point to is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus reminds us that just because we may have never murdered anyone does not mean we're innocent of the Sixth Commandment. Even harboring anger against a brother is a violation of the spirit of that command. Even if we've never committed adultery, we may not be innocent of the seventh commandment if we have looked at someone with lustful intent. So a helpful way to think of it is that with each commandment, there is a narrow meaning and a broad meaning. Let's think about the second commandment in those terms. Narrowly, the second commandment prohibits any form of idolatry. It does not prohibit making any kind of images as if sculpting or art of any form is intrinsically sinful. In fact, God commanded the Israelites to put images of the cherubim in the tabernacle, and He commanded Moses to form a bronze serpent in Numbers 20. The prohibition in the second commandment has to do with making an image to bow down to them or serve them. The first commandment prohibited worshiping any other so-called gods besides the Lord. So it's already assumed that we should not worship false gods in the form of idols. The primary thrust of this second commandment then seems to be that in our exclusive worship of the Lord, we should not attempt to worship Him by making for ourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above 
or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. The first commandment had to do with the who of worship. You shall not worship or serve or love or trust any so-called God besides the Lord. The second commandment deals with the how of worship. In your exclusive worship of the Lord, you shall not treat any created thing as if it were a representation of Him. Again, I suspect that very few 21st century American Christians have been tempted to break the second commandment in its narrow sense. But let's step back and think more broadly. Narrowly, the second commandment prohibits any form of idolatry. More broadly, the second commandment says to us that only God has the authority to reveal himself to us and tell us how to worship him. Another way to put it is that only God has the authority to make something in his image. Think about it. God made humans in his image. Genesis 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Even more importantly, the New Testament speaks of Jesus as the image of the invisible God and the exact imprint of his nature. Humans are created in the image of God. Jesus is the image of God. In Deuteronomy 4, God warned the people of Israel, Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Mount Sinai out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. In other words, there is an uncrossable canyon between God the Creator and His creation. We cannot use any aspect of creation as a starting point for discerning what God is like. We must start with what God has said, what He has revealed. Only He has the authority to do that. We don't have the authority to pick and choose what we think of God, to decide which parts of Him we'll love and worship and which parts we'll leave to the side. He is who He is. And it is up to us to worship Him and serve Him just as He has revealed Himself. When you put the second commandment in those terms, it turns out that we are just as susceptible to breaking it as any other generation. This commandment is not just a prohibition against metal images. It's a prohibition against us forming any kind of mental image of God that we please. It's not just about physical images, it's about our imagination. The second commandment has to do with how we conceive of God, how we think about Him, how we imagine Him. Of course, there's nothing wrong with thinking about God or trying to imagine what He's like. That's a good endeavor. The key is that we have to think about God and imagine Him on the basis of how He has revealed Himself. And just where has God revealed Himself? In His Word. One practical application of the second commandment for us is that we must unapologetically tether ourselves to the Bible, because that is where God has authoritatively told us about His character, His promises, His acts in history, and so forth. Any attempt to understand or think about or explain God apart from the text of Scripture is an act of idolatry and a transgression of the second commandment. Here's a very simple test for you to help diagnose your heart. If you encounter some truth about God in the Bible that makes you uncomfortable, what is your first instinct? If you say, 
I just don't know if I can believe in a God like that. Then it's not God you trust. You've just made an idol. Again, this is much more subtle than carving something out of wood or stone or metal, but it is just as dangerous. I sometimes hear Christians say something like this, I can't worship a God who would send someone to hell even if they've never heard the gospel. Or they may say it a bit more softly, I don't think God would blank, or I like to think of God as blank. Here's the thing, at the end of the day, what we think about God makes absolutely no difference in terms of who God actually is, but it matters a great deal for us. God will not abide us fabricating our own ideas and imaginings about Him when He has made Himself known in His Word and in His Son. I want to leave you with two practical takeaways for the second commandment. First, we can thank God for revealing Himself perfectly in Christ. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Throughout the Old Testament, God slowly and progressively revealed more and more about Himself. It all culminated in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So the first practical takeaway is that we can thank God for revealing Himself perfectly in Christ. The second practical takeaway is that we should pay more attention to what we hear than what we see. God has made it very plain that He intends to bring people to saving faith through the hearing of the gospel, not through any kind of visible display. One day we will see clearly, but for now our faith is a hearing faith. Think of Thomas touching the wounds of Jesus and exclaiming, My Lord and my God. What was Jesus' response? John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In Acts 10, when Peter was preaching to the Gentiles, he said that God raised Jesus on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is God's ordained means of bringing about saving faith, not by giving every individual their own visible appearance of Jesus, but by appointing witnesses who will speak that news to them. As Paul says in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. My prayer for you is that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly and that you would take every thought captive to obey Christ. May you not search for lesser images when the Lord has faithfully given you a sufficient word. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more can He say than to you He has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.